we are in the midst of this uh, series that we began last week, and um, I hope you're doing okay through it. It's really difficult to read the book of Leviticus. How many have done a little bit more of reading Leviticus this week? All right. Excellent. Like three of you. That's great. Um, it, Leviticus is not easy, and we're in the second uh, section. I'm trying to make it easy for us. Uh, how many got to see that video, by the way, that Jim had posted on Facebook? Okay. All right, good. It's a few of you that saw that, a few more. Um, so we have uh, the sections, the, the five different sections of Leviticus. That helps us a little bit to make, uh, make sense of it. Um, we're, last week we talked about rituals, and um, hopefully that was helpful to all of us to think about rituals as something that can be very practical for us today uh, to have. Um, and then uh, this week we're looking at the second section, which is on priests. Now, again, Leviticus is this strange book that's written um, not to us. It was written to an ancient people right about 500 years before the time of Christ. Between that time period and about 300 uh, was when the book was mostly completed. It had been written over a longer period of time, but it was finally completed and would be read to, the, to these people. Um, and, uh, and so you have this uh, book that's attempting to address some of the challenges that, um, that we have, the, cha the challenges that they had. The challenges were here they were in foreign, uh, under foreign oppression, and uh, they were believing that their sins had caused them to become oppressed by foreign nations, and they needed to figure out how they could get God's blessing on their lives again. And so um, that's part of the reason. Uh, there's uh, a few others, but that's, that's a lot of the context is here we are in, in exile. And even though we've now been allowed to come back home to our country, to our, to our land, we're still under foreign oppression. We're still not free. And uh, we're not what we once were. And so how do we handle that? How do we make sense of that? And, um, you know, where's God's blessing in our lives? Uh, and so this is the uh, this is the context, much of the context of Leviticus. And so it goes through talking about the rituals and the rituals that were necessary uh, to be the people of God. And then there's now the priesthood and talking about how priests help us in that space as well. How do priests function? What's their role? And if the priests weren't doing their job, the nation of Israel would not be blessed by God either. So, um, so this is where verses or chapters day through 10 start. And uh, I guess uh, some of you probably read that section that we sent out on, in, in the email uh, to read between 8 and 10. And then also the other uh, chapters towards the end of the book as well that were also on the priests. So uh, a couple things I want to say, two things I want to say um, about Leviticus. In terms of how we apply Leviticus to our lives. Number one, look for the transcendent message. Right? Transcendent means ongoing. It's not time-based or culture-based. It's, it's not specific like that. For example, don't mix two fabrics together or in the sections on the priesthood, um, no priest who has a physical defect or nobody in the line of the priesthood, such as Aaron's uh, sons, 
if they had a physical defect could not be in uh, the priesthood, right? Those are specific. Those are context-based. Those are culturally based. Those are not transcendent messages. So there's a transcendent message that is woven throughout. It's kind of the, some have called it the spirit or the point of the law, the, the, the higher law rather than the, the particular uh, lower level laws. Um, so there's the transcendent message and then look for the transcendent need. What are the needs that humans always have that they're always trying to address? And if we can look at that, then we can find ourselves with them as opposed to looking down at them and saying, well, this was ridiculous. Um, because there are things in Leviticus that are very difficult for us to, to handle, to understand. Yet Aaron's two sons, right? They offer fire and it's, and apparently it's not the kind of fire that God wanted. And so God kills them both, right? That's really hard when we read that. We read uh, the different uh, commandments, like priests should not marry a previously divorced woman. Like, well, that, you know, why is that? And, and, and how just is that, really? Right? So you, get, you have a lot of that happening there. The transcendent message uh, is one that you would find in places throughout Leviticus. There are certain parts of it that are not transcendent. And that's the part that we say, we don't know. We don't know how this would have actually been just or good or um, loving. We wouldn't be able to tell that from some of these laws. But when you get to passages like Leviticus 19, and when you read Leviticus 19 and you see uh, verses like, Verse 33, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. That's a transcendent message, right? Because it, 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 you see that all the way through the Bible. You see it all the way into the teachings of Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So even if we don't understand the particulars, which there are a lot that we don't understand here in Leviticus, what we know or what we know from other parts of the Bible is that the larger message always moves us towards loving God and loving neighbor better in a more just, equitable, fair uh, way than, than where we currently are. So we always have this North Star. It's always pointing us more towards that, not less so. Um, and so that's what I want to look at and how we're going to approach Leviticus and talk about the priesthood is this transcendent message and the transcendent need. So what was the point of the priesthood? Oh, well, the two roles of the priests. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. That's just the two roles. The two roles were, number one, to represent God to the people. And number two, to present the people to God. They were the ones who stood in between. Now, the ancient world believed that God lived up above a canopy, that a canopy covered the, the earth. Uh, and above that, like a tent. And above that was where God lived or the gods would live. Now, not all cultures believe this. Um, they believed various versions of this, like, but they always believed that the gods lived above 
humans and that the humans were climbing. And that's the reason why mountaintops were places where sacrifices were made because they were sort of in between the heavens and the earth, right? The more removed from dirt from earth that you could get, the more uh, you might feel that you were closer to God, you were holier. And so the priests themselves, they wear stunning, vibrant outfits that are perfectly clean, right? And they, 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 uh, they live or they work inside the temple, and the temple is made of a very, very expensive material. And so the priests represented, number one, God to the people. Um, and I think this is where the transcendent part comes is when we look at um, this idea of the priest, the priesthood, when we look into the New Testament, what we find is that there's a shift in awareness. There's a shift in understanding. And the shift is that the priests are no longer just a class of people, that we are all priests, that we are all capable of representing God to one another. And that's the big shift in awareness and understanding. So you have 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? Oh, who's the holy nation? It had always been Israel. Who's the royal priesthood? It had always been the children of Aaron, the descendants of Aaron. But Peter says, no, 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 all of you, every last one of you is a priest. And why that's so important is that the greater theology, the transcendent message, starts in Genesis. And again, these transcendent messages, once you see them, you can't unsee them. It has to do with your awareness, your capacity to see, which is the reason why Jesus treats the Old Testament very differently than, the, than his contemporaries did, because he saw at a higher level. And what he saw was this message that was always there, that made much more sense of God. And so one of those is that God's image is located where? <laughs> You know this, right? Where is God's image located? It's within humanity. It's within people. But I got to tell you, that is the hardest place to find God these days. Am I right about that? What do you think? It, to find God in people these days is one of the hardest places to find God. It seems that people uh, can drive us nuts. How many of you have said, like, I, my, my sanctuary is the ocean, or my sanctuary is the, the forest, or my sanctuary is, right? These are wonderful gifts. My goodness, God has blessed us on the East Coast. <laughs> we, have a lot of, we have a lot of ocean. Uh, we can go a lot of different places. Uh, for those of you who are with us who are not from, the, uh, from one of the coasts, uh, God has blessed you in other ways, right? So you've got some incredible, uh, you know, gifts in, in the place where you are as well. We are all gifted in different ways. And, and, uh, but nature is a wonderful revelation of God. That's what Romans chapter one says. God's revelation, God's nature is also found in, uh, inside the, the, the physical creation. Uh, but, but then there's a special location of God's image, and it is within humanity. And I find that to be one of the most difficult ones to locate sometimes. And yet, the, the priesthood is not 
overthrown. It's not like by the time we get to the New Testament, Jesus is like, you know, let's get rid of this whole priest thing and let's just uh, let's just toss it out. Let's not even think of priests as being anything important. Because you know what? We all have access to God, so forget this whole priesthood. Instead, what Peter does is to say, no, 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 we want to transcend, but we want to include what is the gift, the message, the, the, the power, the entire point of the priesthood. And the entire point of the priesthood was that God can be found within us, that we can represent God to other people. And we do so through the image that is within us. So what is that image? That image is your gifts, your particular character that is perhaps better than the character than, than, than the character others, others may possess. Dare I say that, better. For example, I know some of you are far more patient than I am. I see your patience. I see the way you treat other people who uh, would drive me nuts and who I would lose tolerance for, and, you know, and, and you don't. So you can stay with them. And you can be, even if it bothers you, even if you see the same things I'm seeing, you manage to still have compassion and, and patience for them, something that you possess in greater measure than I do. And I think we actually need to say that. We need to be able to say, there are people who possess certain characters, certain characteristics that we don't possess that are better or have it in more capacity than we do. And in that way, they represent God to me more so than perhaps others who don't possess that characteristics. And these other people represent God to me in a different way because they have certain abilities and certain talents and certain characteristics that I don't possess or that this other person doesn't possess. And I think that's so important because if we are afraid of that or if we avoid that, let me give a couple ways that we do that. One of them is that we can look at other people and just be uh, feel, feel less than because they, they possess a particular characteristic that we don't, a particular gifting that we don't. And so because we compare ourselves quite a bit, and social media is a real wonderful help in that regard, isn't it? It helps us to feel all kinds of secure when you're looking at everybody else's posts. And so there's a lot of comparison that takes place. And if we compare ourselves, we begin to feel less than. Our own ego, our own pride is affected. And, and our temptation is to just sort of flatten everything out. No, nobody's better than anybody else. We're all the same. And I understand the sentiment behind that. I really, I really do. And I actually actually know what the point is. And I agree with the point of trying to keep there from being, you know, people mistreating other people or people using their powers or gifts or abilities to harm other people. I totally am with you on that. But, but, but if we flatten all the time and we don't want to see, and we feel troubled and, and we feel our ego affected by other people's gifts and talents and abilities, and we don't actually honor it and welcome it and praise it, it, it we may be dismissing God entirely or aspects of God from our lives. Does that make sense? If I, if I don't look at your patience that's more than mine, and I say, wow, it sucks for me to say this, but yeah, that person's a lot more patient than I am, and they're, they're, they're more like Christ in that way than I am. 
I can feel bad. I can start to feel guilty, right? Which isn't really a good response. Instead, what maybe I can do is to say, well, that really hurts here, right? That, that hurts my ego. I don't like it, but can I celebrate that? And can I say, wow, that's an aspect of God that I don't possess and yay for that. They are acting like the priests that they should be acting like. They are representing God to me and I need to celebrate that because the more I celebrate it and the more light that is shine on that, that shines on that, the more of God that we get to experience in our day, in this moment. You want more of God in America? Well, guess what? We have to do a little bit more of that, I think, in order to feel and experience more of God in the present moment. Another aspect, though, is that we might dismiss not the God that we see in other people, but we might dismiss the God that is within us. We might dismiss our own gifts. We might ignore them. There are a couple reasons for that. One is I was talking to um, a client last night, and, and uh, she, she wanted to set this meeting up because she's finding herself having started towards her particular mission, which she feels like, I have a passion for this, and I really started looking into it. And um, it has to do with... Um, uh, things along the, in, in the area of prison reform. And, and, um, and so she starts looking into it and really starts working towards it, but now has found herself um, not really doing anything more, kind of frozen, kind of stuck, right? And, and, and she said, I don't know, I don't know how to get out of this, this, this space that I'm in. I find myself watching TV at night and watching um, several hours of news and I got to tell you, Joel, man, I am, I am not hopeful for this world. I am losing my hope and I'm having a hard time with it. And all this was a stream of consciousness. And at one point she caught herself and was like, uh, you know, where, where am I now? I've said all this stuff and I just kept, kept going. And now what is the point of this call? What is this point, point of this coaching session? But I was able to connect the dots and I saw it. I was, cause I see it in me too. It's, all right, whenever you start paying attention, and, and it's easy to do this, to lose focus and to start looking at other things that are going on that are not ours to fix, that it isn't ours to do, because that, we, you know, our job is to be a priest in a particular way. We can, if we lose our focus and lose our attention, we, we stop moving in that direction and we stop producing good fruit in this world because whatever gift you've been given whatever calling is yours whatever capacity you have is actually a superpower it is actually it, it, it is strong for a reason it's effective for a reason because it does change people's lives it does impact them All right so when we stop having impact in this world and all we're doing is losing and diverting our attention to other things like the news and to other things that are so easy to get us off track. We stop producing, we stop having fruit in our lives. We become really dark, not just because the news is dark, but because we're not producing fruit in this world. Our own lives have stopped being fruitful, right? But then we got dug in even more so. We got to more of the core reason, at least for this um, client, and I've, and I've seen this in my life many times. I see it now, actually, in, in many ways. And that if I live the truth of my own real strength, my own calling, what I really deep down inside know 
that I want to do, not the role, but the but the but the the, the mission that's on on me to do. If I really do it and I fail, that's the most painful experience ever. It's much easier to fail at doing everything else that really isn't ours to do than to do the thing that is ours to do. And I so resonate with that. Because if I live from the truth of who I am and you don't accept it, then what? Now, let me propose this because we have various folks, various folks here who have different beliefs on this. But let me propose this. If there's a devil and there's a real devil, there's an actual person, that spiritual being, the best thing that you could do as the devil to ensure that there's more darkness and less light is to hit people right there in their true purpose, their true calling, their true strength, to begin to create self-doubt, to tell them that you shouldn't be bigger than everybody else. Who are you? How arrogant of you to think that you actually could do something, that you have this gift. To begin to scare you that if you fail, oh my, you will be rejected and hated by people, and then what? You will be nothing, become nothing. There's all sorts of fears that are created in that space. But we are a royal priesthood. And if we begin to risk in this way, and I know the fears, I resonate with them. If we begin to risk, I think that we will begin to see more of God. And even if we have some failures along the way, and this is the thing, this is a lie of failure. It's like, if you fail in this way, you know, if you're rejected in this way, you will never recover. That's not the truth. The truth is that if you fail in the very area of your true mission, all you will have done is you will have learned how not to do something. <laughs> and you will learn even more of what you are to do. And the other thing that happens is that when you begin to live your true mission and your true purpose and your true calling, everybody around you who already has seen that in you will oftentimes, not everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of folks who do love you and care about you will celebrate that you are moving forward. Now, some people will be jealous and some people will want you to keep your head down and stay where you are. You will have the detractors, but you will also have people who will celebrate and support you. You are the representation of God in various ways on this earth. And so the two roles, the first role is represent God to the people. The second one is to represent the people to God. This is where we begin to pray and pray for people. How many of you this week have prayed for at least someone in your life? How many hands? Let's see some hands. I love it. I love it. Right. So awesome. Some of us have been praying this week, lifting people up and you're doing exactly that. You're acting as priests, right? Priests would come before the 
the before God, the priest, the high priest would go into the temple, offer sacrifices and ask God for forgiveness for the sins of people. And then also would offer prayers, the prayers of the people. God, I pray that you would heal us of this this disease. I pray that you would, you know, give us uh, a better, you know, more crops this year and and more children, so we can, you know, have a big family and be able to survive. And and all these prayers that were going up before God and the priests would offer them. And that's what you and I get to do is we get to pray on behalf of other people. And there are two components. One is the forgiveness, and the other one is their prayers. Right. Here's something I want to suggest as we pray for different people. There's a couple ways of praying that are sustainable. There are a couple points uh, I want to make about prayer that makes it sustainable. Sometimes when you pray for people, how many of you have prayed for people? And as soon as you start to pray for that person, your mind starts to wander to things like, oh, I miss them. How many have had that experience? This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? So some of you are like, oh, I miss them. Oh, right. How many, how many of you, when you started feeling you missed them, started feeling like sad? It kind of brought you down a little bit. Yeah, see, it's, it's, a, it's some of you, that's, that's the rest of you have no heart. You're, you're, all, you're all evil. Um, but the, uh, the, 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 that, that's, that's true for a lot of people. It's like, you, you start to think about them. You're like, yeah, in some others of us, uh, if we're praying for people, you start to think about their problems. How many started to think about the problems that you were praying for when you were praying for those people? And did it take you to trying to come up with a solution for them? Or did it take you to, you know, uh, asking God to fix them? Or, 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 or did you pray for somebody you really have a problem with, somebody you're struggling with? And when you pray for them, you're like, God, would you just change that nutbag? I mean, this is like, this person is, is so screwed up. And, and you, you go down that. So all sorts of things come up for us when we're praying for people. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. It's like, it stops being prayer and it stops being, you start trying to meddle and help God fix something, you know? So, um, there's all sorts of things that come up. So sadness because you miss them and so on. So there's a sustainable way of praying that I think would, would continue to help us. Uh, and it's found, by the way, in the Apostle Paul and the way he prays for people. Um, but he would, when he would remember them, he would say he would remember them with joy. Even if he was about to write a letter about all their problems to them, he would remember them with joy, with gratitude, grateful for all of you. So I'd like you to think about this and practice this even now as I'm talking. Bring someone to mind that you prayed for or that you should be praying for. Bring someone to mind. And what I want you to do is envision them in the light of God's love. Whatever that means to you, just put them up in the light of God's love. Set aside for a moment what your feelings are. Missing them, irritated with them. and set aside their problems for a moment. And just hold them up in the light of God's love and see if you can begin to feel that warmth of God's love for them. You feel that warmth, you feel that love. See if you can start to feel some gratitude for them. Good. That little practice of doing that on, a, on the regular, 
of just thinking about them in those two, in the light of God's love, joy, and gratitude. When you do that, something will shift in your own heart. And when you reach out to them, what do you think? How do you think you're going to reach out to them if you do reach out to them? What do you think would change? Maybe you can even put some of that in the chat here. What do you think would change if you were to start with joy, with love, with gratitude for them? Would you start in a place of positivity with them? Would you start maybe with a place of like affection and warmth? Maybe some of the way you would approach them would shift simply by that practice. I also would suggest that it would open up your mind to other things that God might want to communicate to you. Because when we open ourselves up to the light of God's love, I think we open ourselves up to that flow of the divine coming into us and through us. Because here's the thing that shifts, the transcendent message is that as priests, we're all priests. Every one of us is a priest. And as we go out and we pray for people and bring them to mind, we're no longer asking a God that is completely on the outside to come in and intervene. Guess who the body of Christ is now? It's you. It's me. I have been on this kick for a, a, a few years now. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is something, uh, I mean, I, I believe in this, and that is that we are, um, we're oftentimes the answer to God's, to, to the prayers we pray. Not entirely, we're part of it. And so as we pray, I believe that God gives us sometimes <clears throat> that, that kind of direction to, now you go and, 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 and meet that need, you know. So the last part, the last thing I want to say about <clears throat> uh, this, uh, us as uh, priests, as priests would bring the prayers as we just talked about before God, the prayers of the people. But then they'd also uh, pray for forgiveness. They would have this sacrifice, right? Well, that has shifted, right? So that's not, that, that, those are the particulars. Those are context and cultural. Those have shifted. What is continued on to today is this idea of forgiveness. And Jesus actually tells his disciples, by the way, let me go back to that previous point about us being the answers to prayer. Interesting how Jesus would say to his disciples, you go and feed the poor. You go and heal the sick. Stop asking God for stuff. <laughs> it was like really, really cool. Like God's already within you. The kingdom of heaven's here. All right. So this is a real faith stretch for all of us. Right. So that's, that's a big deal. But that's, that's what it means to be a priest in that sense. It's, not only are we offering prayers, but we're also part of the answer. All right, so the forgiveness piece. Jesus would say to his disciples that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And that was a saying to mean this. It was about this issue of releasing, of forgiveness. That, that, that Jesus is explicit about this, that 
if you forgive men's sins, I, I forgive them too. That, that like, I'm going to entrust you with something that's absolutely more of, you can bring more of God to the earth through forgiveness. You can actually declare forgiveness. Now that doesn't, that doesn't get crazy. It doesn't get weird. What it is, is this, this really down to earth practice. That's probably one of the hardest things to do. And that is to actually forgive people when they have offended you, when they have hurt you, when they have done wrong. Not just, hey, um, this is a sort of a transactional thing. They've hurt you and now you, hey, you know, I forgive you and I release you. But also in the light now as a priest, in the light of you being a representative, a priest who represents God to people and people to God. When the priests would offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, they would turn around and come back before the people and forgive them. And when we have been wounded, when we have been hurt, when we see, even if it's not directed to us, when we see this, the crazy stuff that's going on in our world, it is, it is easy for us to hate. It is easy for us to become very angry. It's easy for us to hold ill feelings about certain people. And yet, forgiveness is so important, not just for the people, but for you. Because what, uh, there's a saying that uh, Jesus had, which was, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. Meaning that whatever it is that comes out of you that you put out into the world is something that also affects you, both positive and negative. And as we speak in ways that are forgiving of others, there is something of that that comes back to us. We taste of that fruit. And you know this experientially because when you've ever, whenever you have done that and you have forgiven someone, what's the effect it has on you? It is so wonderful. It's freeing. You feel so much better. You feel lighter. There's joy that returns to you and to me. And so this is our priestly duty, my brothers and my sisters, my friends, is you have a calling. You have a gifting. You have a purpose. You have something that is so needed, but you can get distracted just like me. It's so easy this week. I can't tell you how many times my attention was diverted to something else. So easy to do. And yet, we have this amazing gift and ability to represent God to others, to take our attention, to put it back onto what it is that is ours to do. And it is our also important for us to have people that we can look to to say, yeah, you're better in that way, right? Who are your North Stars? Do you have them? Do you have certain people in your life that you can say, these are my people that I look up to? These are people that spiritually, they challenge me. Sometimes I don't even like the way they do it, but I'm, I do know that they represent an aspect of Christ to me. Not all. They got a lot of garbage with it. That's the unfortunate thing is that it doesn't come in perfect packages, does it? It never does. Anybody who represents Christ to us, it's in very uh, 
imperfect packages. <laughs> and so that's the work is, is for us to go, oh, that imperfect part really rose me the wrong way. But there's also this wonderful truth and wonderful gift. And we need to have that in our lives. And we also are so helped by being the people that are representing God, uh, that are rep representing the people to God when we pray and intercede. We do so with joy, with love, with gratitude, and we forgive. And in those ways, we live as New Testament priests in this world. Peace to every one of us as we continue. Grace, too, as we continue to do this in a very imperfect way. If you have questions, if you want to talk about this some more, particularly as it has to do with, um, you know, the priesthood, uh, you know, being a priest, being one who lives from your gift, uh, your calling, your mission, one who forgives, one who prays for others. If you have questions about that, you want to talk some more, uh, please reach out. It's what, uh, it's what I'm here for and um, would love to hear from you. So 